Hey everybody, this is Bob Bergen. And the Complete Pokey Pig. And you're watching the Points of Experience podcast, folks. That's all. He literally gives, he's giving people the keys to the castle. Just an awesome guy. Like, literally. Yeah. Hands down, most informative episode we've had. Like, sure. I, the guy, as we talk about, he, Bob Bergen, one of the finest actors. I mean, he's got over 250 credits on IMDb alone, which is probably a fraction of what he does. The voice of Porky Pig, Tweety Bird, um, and so many more. Sir, Sylvester Jr. I mean, he's been in uh, literally anything you can imagine. Star Wars, the voice of Luke Skywalker, Bad Batch. Right. Um, he's just one of the greatest of all time. He is like one of the greatest of all time. Seven-year-old me was listening to his uh, first, you know, Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah. In my living room, and now you know we just spoke to him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We what do we talk about? I mean, we go through. If it, 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 it felt like we were in one of his classes, I felt like I got a free class. Like I I paid for a class, and we got to we got to experience like all of his like thoughts on the big picture uh things um just kind of the generics of being a good actor and how many times do we talk about having fun i mean if you take yeah. anything away from this it's like if you're doing this and you're not having fun then re you need some reevaluation. yeah um, and then you can apply that to anything honestly yeah i mean it's just you see it in all these successful people that like have fun first it doesn't even matter what you're doing and results will come yeah no for real i mean it's the steve martin and a bunch of other people said it but you can't deny talent the cream rises to the top how many different ways can we can we talk about that um bob fantastic human being thank you for for gracing us with this and everybody again i bring this up every episode but have your pen and paper ready because uh the amount of times i'm sitting there stunned and i'm sure you were doing the same job where i was just like oh my gosh you just said that and i feel like my my head just spun uh, never would have thought of things like that. So many gems in this one, for yeah. real. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a tough pick for uh, the 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 Instagram uh, promotional yeah. <laughs> the promotional video. Let's do uh, them all. Yeah, yeah, all. right. We might have to do a couple on this one because there was just so much. Um, all right, everybody, stick around. Bob Bergen. So, uh, Bob, uh, during the pandemic. Obviously, there was a lot of time. I mean, for most of us voice actors, things were probably pretty busy, I'd have to imagine, because a lot of stuff started recording uh, when everything on camera had to shut down. Did you pick up any hobbies or any, like, just new things that are fun in your life? Has there been something new other than acting that you decided to do during, like, the two and a half months that, that we You mean, like, like, some people said, oh, I've got to do sourdough. I mean, people, yeah. people were just like... Uh, I, I wish I had a more interesting answer. No. Um, you know what I had to pick up? Mm. Learning how to do this from home uh, ah. because I, I never worked from home. Cartoons were never recorded from the home studios. Other genres of voiceover were. Yeah. But, and I've always had a great, I'm looking over there like you can see it. I've always had a really great booth for auditioning and the occasional like radio imaging job or whatever. But I, I, I would go to Disney. I would go to uh, you know, Sony or, or Fox or, or, or Warner Brothers so when the pandemic hit, I was like, I've got to upgrade. So my hobby was uh, calling uh, really smart technical friends 
and saying, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. <laughs> and and they and you know, I'm going to give him a shout out because he's my guru is uh, Tim Friedlander, mm. who over a Zoom, not even a Zoom, over, a, uh, I think, a FaceTime. It's like, here's my booth. Here's what I got. Here's what I record on. What do I need? And he goes, you need this, 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 this and this. And so did every other voice actor on the planet. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate that I was able to get some a, a really good interface. I already had a good mic. I had to get Source Connect. I had to learn how to use it. And then every freaking job wants it a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, I'm an actor. I can play different parts, but having to learn how to do this uh, for, through Zoom, through Connection Pro, uh, through uh, through uh, IBDTL, through yeah. Zoom. Bottom line is my hobby was getting acclimated on doing this without having a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, for so many people, they weren't, they didn't even have the home recording setup. It was, they were going to their agency and recording their auditions there. So at least you had that going for you. But did you find that then working from home, that was like, did that become a worry to a degree? Like, is all my stuff working? Is it hindering my performances? I got to make sure the internet's not going out. Like, did that become like a complication in the jobs? Yeah, the actor's nightmare that we all have when we're dreaming that we're doing a play like on Broadway, but we don't know the show. Yeah. My, my actor's nightmare was finishing up the greatest session of my career, but I forgot to push record. You know, that's my actor's nightmare. Uh, uh, and I've talk, talked to, to, to directors, voice directors who say, oh, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a checklist, you know, so it's like. I, I, I record on mine because they all they all want a backup on yeah. our end. So I, I record on Twisted Wave. And so I started pushing record on Twisted Wave like a half hour before the session just to make <laughs> sure I did it. And I would get rid of the dead space at the very beginning so they wouldn't go, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I've got the checklist of uh, put the phone outside, um, turn on the, the monitor, uh, turn on the uh, the fan in the booth. Yeah. Uh, everything so i'm ready to go now it's a well-oiled machine so i i know it took me oh god paul it took me months it took me the longest time to to get to the point where i'm not a nervous actor performing has never made me nervous but i'm also not technical and i'm not a producer but i will say that the the uh the moral or the end of the story is I never want to work outside my home studio again. <laughs> what a pleasant surprise, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't have to dress for the part. Yeah. Um, I can stay off of LA traffic. Um, I can fold laundry or, or you know, pay bills in between. And my agent can book me for more sessions during the day because I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a nice luxury. I think now, especially like I, you can almost probably convince a lot of LA actors to say, I'd, I'd pay to not have to go into the studio so I can avoid the traffic. That alone is, is a nightmare to deal with. But like you said, now it's, you're more available and now you can work anywhere, so to yeah. speak. Well, and, and I've, a lot of my contemporaries have left LA yeah. since the pandemic because they're like, oh, I can work from Nashville. I can work from my hometown in in, in Colorado. I can work mm-hmm. from anywhere. Um, I don't think that people who live outside of LA who are looking to get into animation are going to find it easy. Yeah. Because it took so much uh, retraining and conditioning for those of us that were working actors to get up to speed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're reliable. We're ready. We're there. 
Uh, I'm not saying it won't happen, but people think, oh, now I can work from Dayton, Ohio, and get yeah. a top agent in Los Angeles and start working in animation. Maybe someday, but not. it's not the norm mm-hmm. right now. They don't need to go outside of L.A. to find the actors, but they might go to Broadway. They might yeah. go to New York and say, oh, listen, this character also sings, and how about Sutton Foster? So when she's not doing the music man, we can get her on this. Uh, great. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it is definitely a luxury for those of us who have been in the business. And we are the laughing stock of the people outside the major markets who have been recording from home on, I mean, on ISDN for 20, 30 years, going, laughing at us, going, ah, you amateurs. Like, yeah, well, yeah I was. Technically, I was an amateur. <laughs> It's so funny that now we are experiencing in these huge hubs, and I, I guess granted, like you said, too, that it helps being in these major markets because you're able to create the inroads with these production studios. And, and now that I'm seeing, I'm sure you've seen it, too, where people are asking you to come in for certain things, too. I'm getting sessions now where I'm going into the studios. Like, that's a, a great way for you to to meet these people and create long-standing relationships and to, to get your foot in the door, literally. Um, but it's if you don't have access to the, the places around you tangentially, I feel like that's going to make it... Uh, not impossible, like you said, but a bit of an, an uphill battle for for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how else can you, you know, unless you're you're taking trips out and you're doing the networking, which then kudos for you if you can right. if you can do that. But I, uh, that's a, a very interesting conversation I have with a lot of people, and and I had it myself. I was living in New York. I was doing on camera. I was doing theater. I was doing TV, all that stuff, and I was very serious and interested in voiceover. And I emailed you, oh. and I don't know where I got the gall to do this, but I was very obsessed with voiceover and voice acting I became it became I became entrenched in it. I was listening to every podcast reading every book I was following every story of a voice actor successful and I came across your story which for those of you who don't know it you're infamous uh reaching out to, to Mel Blanc and or, 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 or as I like to call it stalking <laughs> stalking Mel Blanc. and uh you know you could tell the story way better than I can but you found his number in the phone book and just kind of called him up that that uh and, and I did the same kind of for you in a much more contemporary way I feel what was uh for you during that whole experience did you just were you that confident of of a person or did that terrify you to do that I didn't think it was unusual I just figured hey if you want to be an accountant find the top accountant and give him a call and say listen I'm a kid I'm a teenager but I want to do what you do how did you do it and what should I do yeah so I, you know, I, I guess I was, I didn't care about the word no. So um, worst case scenario, he doesn't take my call. So yeah, I mean, I've told the story a million times, but I just, uh, we had just moved to LA from the Midwest and I, I just, my folks were, were out one day and I picked up the white pages and I said, well, let's find his phone number. And I couldn't find it. And my dad, uh, informed me that you know we were from ohio where yeah. there's one phone book okay for the entire city we were in <laughs> and he goes la's bigger so they've got more phone books so he just traveled across from like pasadena to malibu and just got me a stack of white page phone books and i didn't know where the guy lived i just called every blank in the book until i found his his phone number yeah and um and i taped the conversation it's it's on my website it's it's illegal to do that but it's been well over 40 years, so I think I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he was lovely. I mean, you know, he first said, how did you get my number? Mm. 
And oh, by the way, I found his number under his wife's name because his name, he wasn't listed. But his wife's name was Estelle and there was an E blank in the Pacific Palisades. And that's how I found his phone number. And then during the course of the conversation, um, I asked him if he's still doing cartoons, if he still work, and does he work at Warner Brothers? And he said, no, Warner's hasn't recorded cartoons since the 60s. Mm. So like right now we're doing a, a live uh, stage show recording, pre-recording for a stage show. Um, well, I called, he mentioned the name of the studio he was working at for that, but he didn't say the day or the time. So I called the studio pretending to be his assistant. Mm-hmm. And I said, hi, I'm just calling to confirm Mr. Blank's appointment. And I made this completely up Thursday at nine. And they're like, oh, no, we've got him on the books for Wednesday at 11. I went, oh, my gosh, you're right. I'm looking at the wrong day. So sorry. So I told my mom I'm skipping school on Wednesday. And we're going to go watch Mel Blank work. And she said, that sounds cool. So um, when we got to the studio, I told the receptionist, hi, we're, we're guests of Mel Blank. He invited us to watch. And she goes, oh, he's in that booth over there. And we went into that booth over there. And I told the producer, his producer, hi, um, uh, we're friends of the receptionist and she said we could watch so we watched and that's how i met him wow do you do you think that that same story in 2022 is that is that is that possible to happen today or is there a different version in this day and age for somebody you know whether they're 14 years old looking to get into voiceover or whoever you were or even if they're older is there a version of that that's different or is that possible to do today if yeah you're it's different because it's easier because everybody is on social media. Yeah. Everybody is reachable on either Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn. So I can guarantee if you want to reach out to Rob Paulson, D. Bradley Baker, Candy Milo, Debbie Derryberry, none of us are going to say, uh, go away, you're bothering me yeah, or ignore you. But I mean, just today, somebody popped me a note and said, uh, um, I, you were referred by so-and-so. I don't know who so-and-so was. And they just sent me an, uh, a DM on Facebook. I'm reading it right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was evaluated from a, an, a, at a voiceover uh, by a voiceover coach. And um, they said, I've got a great voice for a voiceover. And I said, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a great voice. There's no such thing as a bad voice. There are only good actors or bad actors. Mm-hmm. And as I delved deeper into this conversation, um, I found that the whole process of what this poor person was 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 going through to be kind of scammy. So I said, this is just my opinion, but I've never told anybody, boy, that's a voice that should go into voiceover. Because I don't know, if you can't do anything with the words, who cares what you sound like? Yeah. So, you know, I've never told somebody don't pursue this, but I'm honest. I'm like, this, this is just my opinion. You can yeah. take it or leave it. But that's weird. Yeah, and that's exactly, uh, I mean, there's a lot of predatory kind of uh, people that will take advantage of aspiring actors, I feel. I think it's very, the industry lends itself for a lot of people to get uh, kind of taken advantage of with these people who will sell them on the idea of, you know, just take this and do this and you'll become the next whatever. Uh, I think that the industry very much lends itself for those type of interactions to happen. But as you were saying that you're very honest, I remember when I emailed you all those years ago, and this was, you know, I'm almost 10 years ago now at this point before I even... And you're, and you're only 12. 
I, I know I haven't aged. I've actually gotten younger. Benjamin Button syndrome. Uh, uh, and very much one of our previous guests, Kellen Goff, also did the same thing. Emailed you and looked out for advice. And I, you are one of the most, not just from my own experience, it's known around the industry online, generous people in this business and I'm very appreciative of you and that's why I'm so glad to have you as a guest on the show and even in that email you you were so honest with me you probably don't remember it at the time but I had sent you my demo which I recorded myself and you were like listen this is not a a professionally produced demo this is not something you're gonna want to send it to people but you're like I can tell you have a passion and you have a knack for you know the artistic venture or or you know the acting part of it I can see there's good characters in there and that enough for me was enough to tell me like I'm on the right track you know, whereas you, you could have focused merely on the, the negative parts of that, which were, you know, this is not professionally produced. Like, it sounds like garbage. But you didn't not... know. I mean, exactly. you know, you, you can't know what you don't know. What I what I can tell from anybody, even on a homemade demo is if they've got raw talent. Yeah, I can. I mean, you know, you know, you raw talent is like a slap in the face. Um, and I'm a, I'm a I'm a firm believer that you're born with talent. You know, you're born an actor. You're born a dancer. You're born a painter. But you might need technique to give yourself the tools to recreate your God-given talent at will consistently. Hmm. So, and I do not remember what you sent me. I, I can't get, blame you. <laughs> well, I get stuff like every day. So, I, and I always tell people, look, don't send me anything if, unless you want my honest opinion, but just know it's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I, there is no rule book that I follow. It's just my instincts. But I can guarantee if I said to you, look, I hear something here. You're just... You don't know what goes on a demo, not your fault. So get the to some voiceover classes. Go to uh, D. Bradley Baker has a wonderful site. I want to be a voice actor dot com. VO Buzz Weekly, dozens and dozens of interviews. Rob Paulson's talking tunes. And none of the none of these cost a dime, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, I don't have money for classes. Great. You'll, you'll need a few months to absorb all this information. And then you're going to go. Oh, okay, I get it. And then throughout, you know, a, a, a journey of a legitimate professional journey, you'll you'll learn what what works, what makes a demo, what doesn't make a demo. You can go to agents' websites, go to Atlas Talent, DPN, AVO, SBV, CESD, and go. Oh, well, obviously, I didn't know what I was doing because those are working people, and that's pretty good. So. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm like I said, I'm honest, but I never want to break somebody's heart. But I, I, I've also never told somebody don't pursue this mm-hmm. because lousy actors get lucky breaks all the time. And who am I to prevent that? Yeah. But what I might say to somebody, like I told this person today, was you need to study acting, you need to study improv, and then study voiceover because you're going to be spending a lot of money spinning your wheels without solid acting technique under your belt because a a trained actor makes a choice a non-trained actor makes a guess and you never want to guess at this so brilliantly said like that and i you are so right there's many working professionals out there that have gotten lucky break that have just kind of coasted them to many successful things and i i think that becomes a lot of frustration with people as they see people working professionally and they believe they go i'm better than that person why can't this happen to me and I think we'd we'd all be fools to think that there isn't a luck element to this in some capacity. You know? Oh my gosh, a lot of capacity. <laughs> Anybody who is successful as an artist um, has to say, "Boy, right place, right time, opportunity." I got my first agent because a friend of my parents knew Casey Kasem, 
and had him send me a autograph mm-hmm. for my high school graduation. And I sent him a thank you note, included my phone number. And he called me up and he said, do you got a demo? And I'm like, no. And he said, make something homemade, give it to me. He played it for his agent. His agent said, you're very talented. I'd love to represent you. Now, I lucked into that uh, uh, chance opportunity with him through a friend. It was, that was pure luck. Yeah. But if, if, if his agent didn't hear something in me, and I'd already studied voiceover for four years, but certainly wasn't, I didn't have a demo. I never provided, it was a homemade demo. It was like, what well, you probably said. And back <laughs> then, back in, 19, in 1982, that was a little bit more forgiving. Mm. And this agent happened to represent, you know, Casey Kasem, Mel Blank, June Foray, Orson Welles, Paul Winchell, uh, just the creme de la creme in the voiceover industry. So I hit the jackpot on my first agent. Pure luck. Mm. Pure luck. But it is that idea of talent meets opportunity. And mm-hmm. also that I guess you must have had this innate business sense to to capitalize on that luck that you struck because I don't think every person would think to write their name in their email and then to send the thank you note and to have the demo ready. So I think that's the element. Do you think that that is that can be taught or is that something that you just need to have the instincts to, to be able to recognize these opportunities when they come or to to find the opportunities? Because like you said, I, I, I don't know the way it, which it happened to you. Did was it just someone brought it up to you that, hey, I know Casey Kasem um, or did you were you constantly mining for the next kind of way to get into this industry? I, I had studied voiceover for four years. It was the end of my senior year of high school. I, I had no idea how I was going to take this to the next level. I did know I was not going to go to college because mm-hmm. college wasn't going to teach me. To, I wanted to be Porky Pig. I mean, t- college wasn't going to teach me to play a Looney Tune. So <laughs> when the Casey Kasem thing happened and I said, and the agent says to me, you're very talented. I'd like to represent you. And I said, Mr. I don't know what that means, but as long as it's after three o'clock, cause I'm still in high school. So, <laughs> and I, and I didn't realize what a gift that was that he, and he used to have me come down to his office and practice auditioning. And we lived, I don't know if you, if, if your people watching or listening to this know San Fernando Valley, but I was in Tarzana, which is like the West end of the Valley. And the office was in Hollywood. So that was a big schlep to go back and forth like that. Mm. And, you know, parents who were like, can you trust these people? Do you know who they are? I said, well, it's Casey Kasem's agent. So you know how bad could it be? Yeah. I got, I got very, very lucky, but this is not a showbiz um, uh, talent. This is business skills. This is people skills. I'm a big fan of the word risk. If you don't risk a no, you're not going to ever get a possible yes. So no is the word is if that's the worst thing that happens, so be it. So I never cared about looking stupid, asking dumb questions, putting myself out there, but I'm also a perfectionist. I never want shortcuts. I'm always saying, what more can I do? I want to do more than everybody else. Um, you know, my, I always tell my students, you want to be ahead of the herd, not amongst them. Mm-hmm. But stop going to the voiceover websites and, and social media pages of the beginners on the same boat as you. Go to the people who are already on the ship that you want to sail on and ask them what to do. But so often people use social media to only network and ask advice of the people who are in the same position as they are. And a handful are going to reach out to 
the working actor, the working casting director, the working producer, the network executive. I used to crash recording sessions, not just Mel Blanc. I used to I used to go to Bell Sound and Hollywood Recording and Fred Jones and B&B and Hanna-Barbera and just I would become buddies with the receptionists and, and, and assistants and say, can I watch? Mm-hmm. Can I just be a fly on the wall and watch? And I watched. You know, you can learn so much in classes, in, in, in theater school, uh, in drama class school. But, but man, practical experience, watching how it's done really prepares you for when you get that opportunity because you say, oh, okay, how to turn your pages in the middle of a recording session without making noise. Little things like that, what to or not to wear. Um, protocol, what can you ask, what shouldn't you ask? How much creative input do you have? Do you keep your mouth shut or do you say, ooh, I have an idea, can I try it? And the answer is, by the way, of course you ask uh-huh. because you're not just a, 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 a body. Mm. taking up space you're part of this creative process and they are relying on you the script is a skeleton your job is to give it a body they are relying on you to give it a body Mm -hmm. i hope everybody was listening to that little bit because that's especially the part about risks because i think that can in a lot of cases that's the thing that's separating somebody from you know to use the 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 term breaking in and and being somebody who's aspiring you know or or doesn't take their career seriously yet it's it's the opportunity to take that risk to to send the email to show up here or whatever it might be my my fiance she's a writer and i always tell her i'm like you know she's an introvert too and she's always afraid to kind of do the reach out she's like that's not who i am i don't like you know i she hates the idea of conflict or the the idea of rejection what is your advice for someone who's like that who is just the idea of putting themselves out there is terrifying it is you know it, it, it destroys them is there is there an alternative solution or is it just kind of figuring out ways to overcome that yeah ready it's very yeah. simple don't give a damn <laughs> I don't I don't ever audition to get a job I don't give a damn if anybody likes me I don't care if they hate my talent I don't care if they don't like me I treat my auditions like I'm a party host and I know I'm a great host I mean I am serving this Mexican fiesta right now you don't like my party there's an in and out burger down the street when you leave when I get a job my first question to my agent is did I read for this because once I'm done reading it's gone it's out of my head. It's on my computer, so I can refer back to it. But I, I literally am at my creative best at an audition mm-hmm. because there's nobody there to say what you can or can't do. I can do anything. And I've looked at specs. I'm going, uh-uh, that's not what this should be for me. Mm-hmm. And I own it. And I do it just to have a great time. I swear to you, and I tell people this all the time, I never went into this business to make a dime. And I'm not in it today to make a dime. I just got lucky that I do. So, um, and I still audition for Porky Pig all the time because I don't know the character. And I don't have a lifetime contract. Mm. And I don't do them all the time. That's just, that's showbiz. But, you know, you can either go into the audition with this desperate anxiety. Oh my God, I've got to please my agent. I got to please my spouse, my parents who told me never to do this. If I don't get a call back, will my agent drop me? How are you going to be at your creative best Mm -hmm. with that much baggage in the booth with you? Or just go in there and have a grand old time, have fun. You know, it's like when kids are doing, you know, high school drama, you don't care other than having fun, Mm -hmm. you know, no agents in the audience. It's not going to be broadcast. Did you get good ratings? No, it's just kid. You, you might have even built the sets because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's just having fun. So it's funny because like 
this evening I'm doing, uh, I'm going to a, um, a reunion for my high school drama. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, it's our 40th high school reunion and they just, they're putting together this little gathering and it's going to be interesting to see whom amongst us continued this passion. Cause I'm, my guess is most didn't. Yeah. But I, I'm sure a handful did, and they might have gone in. They might, they might be producers. They might be writers. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But going back to your question, I talk a lot. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> please, please do. You, you just can't. You want to get over the nerves. You want to get over the this this. Because I am painfully shy, dude. Mm-hmm. I am such a shy person. At a cocktail party, the last thing I want to do is talk. I want to yeah. be in the corner with a piece of shrimp. And just kind of be in the fetal position, hoping nobody comes and talks to me because <laughs> I'm not good at small talk. I'm terrible at it. But um, as an actor, as a creative, I just want to have fun. Yeah. And I think that's something people, they try to circumvent that thing. And they're trying to achieve the goal of fame, success, stardom, uh, having the job already. And they lose that element of which is why most of us get into this business anyway. Or at yeah. least the people from a younger age, you're not thinking like, I want the, the success and the celebrity and the fame. I mean, that's how I fell into this. I was pursuing pre-med, which is probably the... <laughs> I'll bet your parents were thrilled. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, and I, was, I was like, my mom's like, don't you want to make money? I was like, all right, so which one? Do I become a lawyer or a doctor? She's like, I don't know. Just pick one. I was like, okay, pre-med it is. And and it wasn't until I found myself in in like a sketch comedy improv group where I was laughing hysterically every day and having fun. And I was like, wait, you can pursue this as a career? You can like yeah. do this and people pay you? And that's what I fell in love with. And then obviously I fell in love with the idea of, of, of training and, and studying theater and reading Shakespeare and mammoth everything else that came along with it i became obsessed with this idea of like storytelling that's really the thing that i think i fell in love with and i think now because there's things like social media and things like tiktok where everybody you're 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 a video away from some sort of success or fame and attention that i think most people are are jumping to that like that as the recipe for success mm-hmm. in acting especially because you teach so much, are you seeing a lot of people who are kind of not doing that work as much and there's kind of like a distilled version of acting now that is is like a recurring theme and people aren't putting the work in studying or, uh, you know, even just studying human behavior? Are you seeing a lot of people where it's like that's their their instinct to get into this business? Yeah, I kind of am. I'm seeing people... And it's not their fault because this is the carrot that is dangled in front of their face, be it on social media or books that are written. It's, you know, you can get rich doing voiceover. And um, any teacher, legitimate teacher, when I was studying, whether it was voiceover or acting technique or improv, no legitimate teacher would ever discuss making a dime at this. It was all about craft. Mm-hmm. And every everybody seems to be talking about um, you know, what would I, what would I make? How, what should I quote? How much should I get? And I'm like, you don't, you're asking the wrong person. Cause I've never negotiated a deal in my life. Mm-hmm. The minimum I'm going to get is scale. And for those who don't know what scale means, it's the minimum they have to pay you per the union contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I was, I've worked union since day one. I've never done none. Yet. I've never even pursued it. So um, people that come to me and they bring up the money thing. I'm like, I'm not your teacher. Well, what can you expect to make in voiceover? Nothing to billions and everything in between. I mean, I worked 
my, my I, I signed with Casey Kasem's agent and then spent five years as a tour guide at Universal Studios going, look, it's a shark. I mean, you know, I, I, I had to eat. And it took me from first voiceover class to working actor nine years. And from working actor to today, there have been ups and downs. We've had strikes. Uh, you, you, your, your contracted job isn't, isn't uh, re-upped. Yeah. Your show gets canceled, whatever. But you live below your means. You save as much as you can. And you never think I'm, I'm above anything. If you're not booking, find out why. Sometimes, sometimes work begets work because you're no longer desperate for the job. So you just go in there and have fun because you don't need it. Mm. And sometimes you're, you worked a lot, but you're out of style. You know, mm. when I got into the business, this was the sound of voiceover. <laughs> Everybody sounded like this. In a and world. I never, and exactly. And, yeah. I, and I never could. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm close to 60 and I still have the same voice I did when I was 18 and I couldn't get arrested in commercials back then because everything was like this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this became out of style and yeah. it started becoming you and me conversational, yeah. young, off the cuff, you know, just very real. Thank God. <laughs> That's I made you know? my the beginning of my career doing Nick Sports promos. You know, that big. You know, I never thought that that's what I would be good at, but that was what they wanted. And I and I was at Disney Channel for five years. You know, um, you look. Sometimes we don't know what we're going to excel at. I had a friend. Uh, I won't mention names. Uh, very very brilliant uh, voiceover actress who interviews with her first agent. And all she wanted to do was cartoons. And the agent says, well, the day to day is commercials. So I, I still need, I need a commercial. And the actress who was real ballsy, she's like, you're not hearing me. I want to do cartoons. And if you're not the agent for me, then I will look elsewhere. Non-union, just a handful of workshops, but knew what she wanted. And the agent was very impressed with her. Okay. So her first five auditions, she booked five national commercials. <laughs> and bought her first house within, I think, a year. Yeah. And didn't get a cartoon for, for like two or three years. Mm -hmm. So, again, she didn't even know she had the skill. Yeah. She had such a really interesting voice that was so in vogue at the time. And such a confidence that I think it was just... She hit the jackpot. Yeah. You know, an agent who was intrigued by her confidence. And she just, I think she was working at a bank. She's like, I don't want to work at a bank anymore. Uh -huh. I can always go work at the bank. I want to do this. And this is how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. I think if more people, more creatives had that, had that, again, going back to the word risk, took, took the risk to, to, to have someone say no. If you, if you don't know specifically what you want, how are you specifically going to get it? Mm -hmm. I just want to work one cut. You want to work where? Yeah. I want to work in cartoons. Not specific enough. Where in cartoons? What do you mean? Where in cartoons? Well, Cartoon Network. Great. What, what, what time slot? Are you, are you, are you uh, preschool early in the morning? Are you adult swim? Are you everything in between? Do you yeah. watch the shows? Give me a show that you watch on Cartoon Network. Um, um, well, OKKO, okay, terrific. OKKO, okay, who casts it? Who voice directs it? Who produces it? Who is the cast? Who are the, who are the, who are the, who are the agents representing the cast? Now you can specifically 
cater your demo for this particular show. Voice director, Christy Reed. Let's see what else Christy Reed does. Oh my God, she does this and she does this and she does this and she does this. And I'm going to follow her career and her showrunners. I'm going to cross-reference on IMDb. This is the specifics. If you really want success, and you can do it for commercials, you can do it for promo, you can do it for audiobooks, you can do it for anything. But you've got to be this specific in anything in life that you want, not just voiceover and showbiz. If you want to be a brain surgeon, be that specific yeah. about you know, who are the players? How do I get, how do they do it? How can I get to them? How can I rub elbows with them? Oh, gosh, so, so much there. Uh, what it boils down to me is under, you know, just understanding your brand and, and knowing the people who are doing what you want to do. And just like you were saying, any career, having the skill and the training to back it up. If you want to be a lawyer, you can't just show up in front of a law office and say, I haven't done any training to become a lawyer, but hire me as, as you know, your next lawyer. But, you know, reaching out to those people who are doing it, that are in those firms, finding out how they did it, getting advice, finding mentors, all any way you can find the next, you know, right. rung on the pole or ladder to keep elevating yourself and obviously having the chops to do so in the arena. when you And that's are why I also study acting, study improv, then study voiceover. Just because you know somebody, you know, um, one bad demo closes more doors than a good one opens. Mm -hmm. And if you fall for that, hey, they said if I just had a demo, they'd hire me. Well, yeah. they know you. You don't need a demo. Yeah. You, they, that's a line. And look, and the, so sometimes the risk we take is creative. Because like I said earlier, I'll find a script and I'm like, I ain't me. I'm going to make it me. I'm going to yeah. do what I want. Because today's audition is an insurance policy for another one. So if you don't get this job, but they like what you did. They might go, damn, not right for this, but so good for episode 10, the next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. So let's remember that person. That's the insurance policy. They will remember. And there's a lot of reasons why a great read doesn't get booked. Yep. They might go, ah, we've never worked with Paul before, but damn, he's good. I can't take a risk on somebody new on this. I've got a brand new show. I'm new to this network. I got to bring in. Jeff Bergman, but I'm going to remember this guy, Paul, the next time. Yeah, I'm going to send a note to his agent and say he was great, but. Or they might go, man, you know what? We have worked over and over and over again with uh, D. Bradley Baker and, and Jim Cummings and, and, and Bill Farmer. And this guy, Paul's brand new and he's fresh. And oh, my God, they want to give that new person their big break. Mm -hmm. It's exciting to discover talent. But. You know, I've seen, I've, I've had auditions. I do a show called The Bad Batch, which yeah, is a- You're fantastic. It, oh, thank you. I love well, your character. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, I did them before The Bad Batch. I did them on Clone, Clone Wars. Wars yeah. Games. But I remember when I got the audition, I almost passed on it because I was like, I can't, I can't do that. That I mean, I'm not, I'm a tenor. Mm, That's but not it's me. It's commanding that character. There's a, there's, yeah. 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 So I went, Okay. And I don't know if your mic will pick this up, but if I talk about right here yeah. and get very close to the microphone and then just up my game, that's going to give the presence because I can't do it like this. I can do it like this. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you my secret for Lama Sue. Please. Here's my, here's my secret. I don't understand a damn thing that's happening in the show. <laughs> So, so, so the character is supposed to have this very cold, calculated sort of, we don't know what he's really thinking sort of uh, delivery. Yeah. It's I'm a method actor. I don't understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I have 
feeling that we should get the clones and maybe castrate them. <laughs> I no, they could be castrated. Okay, whatever. But I just, I really, honestly, am clueless to what's happening. So. That's the mystery of his character. That's the mystery of my performance. Hey, whatever works. You know, honestly, I mean, you know, purists might be like, blah, 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 blah. But honestly, it's the end result. And how many times do we work on things where we're trying to do something and then we're like, I'm literally, I'm doing exactly what they're asking for. And it's not right. communicating the end result. And the end result is from a director's point of view. That's yeah. what they care about. And also, we're not in control of the edit of of the final take or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, you do your performance a year later, you see it and you're like, oh, it took that take? <laughs> I wouldn't have used that take. But I will tell you that uh, uh, some of the uh, later recording sessions where I, I was like, I know, I understand this part of the story. This is kind of cool. And I'd add a little enthusiasm and the director's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. I said, yeah, but he knows. No. <laughs> Go back to the way you're playing him. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> No, you don't find it boring. No, no, that's him. That's that. Don't go. Yeah. It, oh, right. Do less. Do less. It's like that uh, uh -huh. uh, Paul Rudd scene in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall with the surfboard. Uh, no, you're, all right. Now you're doing too much. Now you're not doing anything. Just, it's like, just do, just do what you, exactly. whatever got you the job, do that unless the directors and everybody else tells you otherwise. I feel like right. Right. I'm a, I'm a product of trying to do too much all the time. Um, I wanted to go back to something you were talking about a little earlier, you know, with, uh, kind of there being, because I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, you know, uh, working scale and all these things. I, I, I believe there, there couldn't be a better time to pursue a career in the entertainment industry. There's so many streaming services, YouTube, whatever it might be. There's just so many ways to have somebody hear or see your talent, whatever that might be. However, the industry is kind of changing to the, the degree where, you know, maybe 30, 20 years ago, I don't know, you, you could book one commercial and that would pay your rent for like, Six that would weeks. get you. That would get you benefits. I know for a year. Uh huh. And that's just not the case. Like ninety five or more percent of the time, you might get something that's a you know if you become the next progressive voice and it's the gift that keeps on giving. But you know those are far and few, and we're yeah. all we're all sitting yeah. here praying for them. What is what is your like outlook on the industry today in terms of uh, having a sustainable career? And with the rates, because there's different, you know, there's non-union, there's union, some things are paying $100, $70, $250, but people, you know, they want to have a career and quit their day job or whatever it might be. How do you navigate a career now where it's it's much more competitive and there's more opportunity, but it's harder to sustain a living doing just this? Well, I'm going to take you on in a whole bunch of different directions. I'm, on, yeah. I'm strapping in. Yeah, yes, yes, some really good questions. So I'm going to answer that first by going back to when I got into the business. So when I got into the business, I was told by everybody, you'll never break into animation. Mm -hmm. They don't need you. At that time, there were only three networks, and all they did was Saturday morning cartoons. And there might be an occasional syndicated cartoon, and Disney might have done an animated feature every five to seven years. And all I kept saying was, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about statistics. I'm going to, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. So what do I do? Cut to today. We have 24 seven cartoon networks, plural networks. We have, um, we have uh, streaming animation. We have prime time animation. Every major motion picture studio has a thriving animation department. Mm -hmm. There have never been more opportunities for an actor to want to break into animation than today. 
Animation is the only sag after contract that is still well over 90% union. Most voiceover is non-union. Mm -hmm. Commercials, uh, promos, narration. Uh, the majority of the work is non-union, and it's because of this thing we're talking on right now, the internet. The internet took it out of the major markets and took it all over the country to people who were handed voiceover opportunities. Somebody who might be making minimum wage uh, working at McDonald's saying, would you like a hot apple pie with that order? Who's all of a sudden getting a, a, a job for a hundred bucks to talk in their closet. It will take them less than 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. The union actor will say, but don't you know that would pay you a thousand dollars and it would pay into your pension and health and maybe residuals. And, and you're talking to somebody in Dayton, Ohio, who's like, what's a residual? I just got a hundred bucks to speak for 20 minutes where I get 13 bucks an hour getting acne frying, frying French fries. Mm -hmm. So it's all about value. What do you find the value in? So this is what I kept trying to tell the union people for 20 years. These are people that find value in a hundred bucks. You can't deny that. And because they're so removed from that generation and that generation is so removed from the union generation, we, we, we had an opportunity to, to re retain this work, but we, we didn't see it as a threat. We didn't even see it was happening because it was outside our backyard. Mm -hmm. Just like the music industry, had they embraced uh, Napster and digital downloads, could have profited off of that. But they're like, oh, no, 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 we want record sales. What's a record? So yeah. cut to today with animation. Animation has stayed union because of celebrities. Mm -hmm. Because whether it's a TV cartoon, episodic, or a feature, they want celebrities. And for all intents and purposes, Animation is a scale business. So if you're doing a series for Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or Disney Channel, and you have the opportunity to work with, I'm going to make up a celebrity just for the heck of it, uh, Weird Al Yankovic. And I like that pick. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic says, I would love to do it and happy to do it for scale. And producers are like going, oh my God, that is so cool. It's Weird Al Yankovic. And the cast is going, that's Weird Al Yankovic. Um, I did a cartoon years ago called Duck Dodgers. And they hired Quentin Tarantino <laughs> to, just to do an incidental guest shot. And he was like, he was wearing, I think like a, a Yogi Bears t-shirt or a Fred Flintstone t-shirt. I forget which. And he was so like a kid in a candy store working with Daffy Duck and Porky Pig. This is so cool. And I'm thinking, you know, you directed uh, really good movies. Like, I don't know, Pulp Fiction. You're not, you're not a schlub, but you know, Seeing the giddy kitty, like just bursting with joy to be doing this for minimum or scale minimum, mm -hmm. that's what's keeping animation union. So if you want to work in animation, there have never been more opportunities than today. You have to live in Los Angeles. You should train in Los Angeles. You should get a demo in Los Angeles and you've got to be union. That's, that's kind just of, animation. That's yeah. just animation. Anything else, you can be anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and and that's I that was the biggest kind of inspiration for me to to move here. I was having a very lucrative career doing promos and commercials and Audible was right out of New Jersey, so I take a trip right over the path train and do audiobooks and this is right before the pandemic and when things were really moving remote. And I was doing fine. I was doing fine doing commercials. AT&T, Dannon, Gerber. I was doing all those things and I was getting no animation, no video games. You know, uh, none of that was was being presented 
which actually is happening more now. And I think it's because things have moved remote. So from my New York agency, I've been seeing more. But L.A., when I moved here, and this is my own experience, so many more doors just opened from signing with an L.A. agency and being in L.A. Just those facts alone. You know, regardless of my talent, I'm the same actor. I mean, I hope I'm a little better. I hope I'm a little better. But I'm the same actor that I was before the pandemic started. So, Well, you establish relationships on the East Coast. Yes. You bring those relationships with you. This is a business about relationships. So this is the same reason why a lot of animation actors left L.A. Yeah. They're like, look, I'm on five shows. Everybody knows me. You can't. Now, the, 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 the reason, another reason why those who, who have not broken into the business uh the reason why they're going to have a difficult time is time time differences yeah so if you live on the east coast and every the whole cast is in la and it records from four in the afternoon to six at night in los angeles and gosh will they have energy at nine o'clock you know on the east coast why risk why risk that they're going to be like oh my god i'm exhausted Mm. So, and, but look at it the other way. I mean, I've got a New York agent, you know, my agency is, is bi-coastal and they need their, their auditions in by 9am New York time, I'm which with is 6am our time. And I'm not a night person. So I wake up very early Yeah, and I get them out. And then throughout the day, the auditions will come in and they'll pile up. So I try to get them out. Even though if it's due next week, I'll try to get them out today Yeah, because I have no idea what I'm going to book. Or what else I'm going to get uh, uh, other obligations where I'm not going to be able to get to this really cool audition. Yeah. That's By the way, so these, are, these are first world problems. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's the reality of the job once you get into the to the swing of things and people need to understand and, and like this is what you are in store for because that was a very big reality call for me when I, I didn't, I guess I didn't factor that into the equation when I moved from New York to LA. Those, you know, 9 a.m. due times where I'm, I'm an early person, but I have a routine. But like you just said, I've got to be up at 5 a.m. So I have the energy to record by them because I can't, I, oh. I don't want to do it at night. Also, crickets are terrible around my house. So like, really? this, yes, they're terrible. The cricket noises, they, they're worse than anything. They just. Back east is a lot of crickets. Here, I don't know what it is. Maybe there's a nest somewhere. I got to get an exterminator, but the crickets are unbearable. So once it crosses like 8 p.m., it's like nearly impossible for me to. And, and they make their ways into like the, the walls and in the vents for the air conditioner. So you never know. And then on camera auditions, the same deal. Like I just can't, like it, then the noise is like nails on a chalkboard to me. I can't even focus. But uh, I, I, I don't do on camera. I stopped doing that years ago. And lately, recently, there was a voiceover audition that wanted me to do it on camera. Mm. And I'm like, uh, no, (laughs) no, I'll pass. Oh, you don't have to memorize it. You can read it. But, and all the things that uh, actors access or all the things that on camera actors have to do now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, I'd rather not do the job. Yeah. So going back to what you said earlier about your, you're starting to go into studios. I've only done that twice in two years. And, one time was early on in the pandemic because the character had to sing. And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know how to control that. Yeah. It was the same thing as if I just did the voiceover, you know, if it's on yeah. Source Connect. But I got to the studio and I'm the only one there. Everyone else was on was on Zoom. Exactly. And so um, I found 
that if I just say no, they'll say yes. So like, <laughs> so like that audition where they're like, you have to do it on camera. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to pass. Yeah. Oh no, you can send an MP3. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. But mm-hmm. I just look, if it's not fun, if I'm not enjoying, if I have to shave, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've had the same thing so many times where for me, I had to make that realization when I was doing musical auditions. Granted, I'm a, I have a very rock voice, but I would get, uh, these musical auditions where I would, I'd obsess over trying to get coaching for it and making sure it was perfect. And I'm just not a musical theater singer. I'm, I have no business being in Phantom of the Opera, you know? So when my agents would send me that, I'd get such anxiety and stress and it would dominate everything else around me. So any other voiceover audition, any other on-camera audition that came in, it didn't matter because I'm so stressed about sounding like an idiot where I just had to (laughs) learn to tell people like, I can't do this anymore. I don't right. care what the opportunity is. I don't care that Robert De Niro's directing a Bronx tale and that I'd, it'd be a great opportunity. Every night for me is going to be torture. I've been through this. We've we've tried this. And having the the self-worth and the confidence, I guess, and, you know, like you said, to, to just be able to say no, it, maybe it takes some time to build up to there and that I don't give a fuck attitude. Uh, but it gave me freedom when I accepted that. And I think it does for a lot of people, too. It gives you, like, control over the first thing in your life in this career, I felt like. Well, again, I didn't go into this for a dime. I st- I'm still not in it for a dime. If it doesn't fulfill me creatively, I don't want to do it. I've been very lucky that I've not had to have another survival job. Yeah. But I always tell my students, I'm not above needing a survival job. That's arrogance. You know, Mm -hmm. I decided to be an artist, you know, it didn't decide to have me. So, you know, again, live below your means. Um, You know, I'm in, I'm in Woodland Hills, not Beverly Hills. So um, (laughs) yeah, you just have to um, be smart about it. But Man, we get into this. We got into this because it fulfills us creatively. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're adding anxiety just to be creative, oh my gosh! You know, you, how much emodium can you take? You know, throughout the day, just to, just to settle your stomach, trying to make a living, being creative when you don't. If you're not if you're not a fan of the opera because you're more of a rock singer, well, maybe they'll do Godspell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, superstar. You know, just something <laughs> with a little bit more of a, of a of a rock feel. Yeah. But you don't you don't have to do everything. You don't have to work for everyone. Um, you just have to love the journey and love what you're doing. Yeah, that's a it's I'm still getting there myself, and I'm sure a lot of people are figuring that out. And uh, uh, therapy is great. Having a great su- uh, support circle and finding friends who have things in common with you to help discuss these things. I mean, that's where a lot of the things for me, and, and I'm curious if you have the same, where if you ever come to a crossroads, do you have people, oh. you're, do you have a, a process for discussing things with people? And uh, do you have a, 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 like a way of communicating, hey, I don't, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about this. What do you think for auditions even maybe? Do you have some uh, people that you, uh, is it your agent that you confer with to say, this is what I'm thinking and how should I proceed? Or is it, have you gotten so into the swing of things that you just trust your intuition? I've never asked anybody there. I, I've, I, I go to, I've gone to coaches. Like, yeah. you know, if you're, you're up for like a network promo gig and you're like, you're a, you're a short list or you're doing on, on the final callbacks. Yeah. Hell, yeah. I will call a coach and say, but I've also had coaches where like, you know, I got this far doing it this way. And now you're steering me over here. Mm-hmm. Ew, no. So I trust myself. 
I trust, um, I'm also good friends with a lot of casting directors. Mm-hmm. And if someone, oh, I'll give you an example. Great. Um, I won't mention names. I guess I will, because I mentioned <laughs> it earlier. So um, Christy Reed, who is a major animation casting director and a, and a friend of mine, yeah. um, my agent was finding that her people weren't booking with, with, with Christy. And she said to Christy, I'm sending you great stuff. What are they doing wrong? And Christy's like, I like more real. They're all cartoony. Mm. I like more natural, more real. I was like, okay, that's helpful. So that's when, you know, a good agent will call their, their clients or in an email say, give me, I know it's, it says cartoony or it looks cartoony. Give me one very real. Give me take two cartoony. Yeah. So that's, that's a good conversation to have with with an agent, but I have never reached out to anybody about, Hey, listen, I need advice. What do you think of? Cause they're not in my creative head. Yeah. And I don't really care what they think. I have had situations where, you know, um, a voice director or a casting director um, might say to me, um, you know, you're being very safe in your auditions lately. Mm-hmm. You know, you're giving me the same stuff you've always given me. Um, get Go outside the box, forget what the specs say. I forget what the specs say a lot. Yeah. I ignore those specs because if everybody goes in and says, we're looking for a Joe Pesci type, and everybody goes in doing Joe Pesci. Yeah. But that's going to get kind of dull. <laughs> but what if somebody did like a Danny DeVito? Same sort of East Coast thing, a little bit of gruff, and maybe a sarcastic heart of gold. You know, you, so you find places to, to peek in the valley and to stay in the neighborhood of the character. It's like when all actors see the thing on the air or hear the, hear the spot, and they're like, that's not what they were asking for. I could have done that if mm-hmm. they asked me. Well, what happened? Somebody took a risk or they got tired of the same old thing and they did a second round of auditions and you weren't on it because you already read. This is why I always do two takes. Yep. Two totally different takes. The first take, if it's a cartoon, I'm very respectful that this might've been in in development for two to five years. And they're very married to these characters, these character traits so I'm still creative. I add those layers of creativity, but I'm very respectful to their baby. Take mm-hmm. two is what will get me a callback. Mm-hmm. And when I get the callback from what I did on take two, they will redirect me towards take one. But I got in the room. I got the callback. Gosh, that's so I happen. Very similar thing. And even going back to something earlier, you said just to kind of prove that this it, it, it manifests itself in real ways. I'm not going to say what it was, who it was. This one studio I'd been in for years. I kept reading things and I kept doing what you're saying. This the the true to kind of the specs of what they're looking for, and then I'd go kind of a little bit off my version, whatever that version might be, off the rails a little bit, and then I'd get into the callbacks all the time, and they would keep redirecting me kind of towards that earlier thing. And oftentimes it's like, all right, let's do less, a little bit less. Like I would go for it. I would give myself the freedom to go there. And I think a lot of times they want to know that you have the capacity to, if there's something presents itself that you can be inspiring and you can, you know, even play an incidental, you know, they need that screaming wild person running out of the birding building, whatever it might be. And, and then even, and even further, I would never book all these things for this studio. And then I get a call one day and I book this character, main character in a new series. And I'm like, when did I audition for this? They're like, you didn't. 
They've just been waiting to find when you're right for something. So if you just keep showing up and having that confidence to say, listen, if I'm getting the call, and I think that's a, a thing people don't understand is if you're getting the call back, you're winning. So many people are not even getting that. Right. Well, also, if your agent is still sending you auditions. <laughs> that too, even more. You're, yeah, you're doing something right. It's if they stop sending you the auditions and they they don't have the balls to call you up and say, you need a class. Yeah. You know, you're just phoning it in. You know, you're, you're boring. Uh, Scott Muller is a casting director. Mm-hmm. And he would come to my class when I would teach in person, which I haven't done since COVID. And I, he, he would always say the same thing to every class he would, he would come to. Guys, find the funny. Mm. Please, just the most cartoons, with the exception of like, well, even, even Bad Batch has some comedic moments. But most cartoons are, are, are comedies. Yeah. And then I, and then I asked the question that uh everybody's afraid to ask because he's a big time casting director but i'll say i'll be like yeah but what if it's not funny yeah and he'll be like well tom kenny will find the funny Mm. andy milo will find the funny uh hopefully i will find the funny so you know your job most great writers will tell an actor your job is to make my work sound better than i ever thought it could you know, I'm, you know, if, if you if you're working on cartoons now, we work from home and we work solo quite a bit and you often do three takes per line. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate compliment is when you hear the director say, oh, my God, print them all. <laughs> print them all. I, I can't pick print them all. Is there a better um, compliment than that? <laughs> no, but then I'm thinking of that poor editor who has to put together the jigsaw puzzle. Well, you know, you're going one, like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and the other nice thing about working from home now is, and, and on Zoom in the old days, when we'd go to the studio and there's a piece of glass between us and the producers and the director, mm-hmm. we didn't hear what they were saying unless they pushed the talk back button. Yeah. I hear everything now. Mm-hmm. So I used to tell people, look, when we hear silence, in my mind, I'm thinking you're calling SBV to hire Rob Paulson because I suck. <laughs> because if you look at the bottom of my SAG after card, it says paranoid and insecure. Mm-hmm. Silence is a very deafening um negativity but if you can just push the button and say oh my god we're just ordering lunch you know or i was just complimenting her complimenting her shoes mm-hmm. okay great we're just, we like what you did we what where you went in a different direction we're deciding do we want to rewrite the, the third act because we love what you just did let me know mm-hmm. because i'm going to go into mine if i don't hear some love i know and I, 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 that's, I'm, I'm experiencing that. I've experienced that before, kind of the, the we're ordering lunch scenario. It happens to all of us. And I wonder if there's just something in actors where we have that insecurity, where it's, if it's just part of the job where we can't escape, you know, like, yeah, I think well, I'm going to get fired. You've heard of the imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, the successful actor who'd like, when are they going to figure out, like Mike, Michael J. Fox in his autobiography tells a story where he's walking to collect his umpteenth Emmy for family ties, thinking to himself, when are they going to realize I have no idea what I'm doing and I just got lucky? That's every actor saying, I'd like to thank the Academy. That's every actor going, I got that? Yeah. I mean, how many times have you auditioned for something and you've thought to yourself, I am God's gift to voiceover. That was so freaking brilliant. (laughs) And then you call your agent, not even a callback. Or the the, the other way, where you audition for something and you want to send it out to your agent, all right, don't submit this. I am going into mine. That sucked, you know, and you book it. 
So don't try to figure out the formula. There isn't one. It's just do it for the love of, of acting. You know, it was like that chorus line song, what I did for love, Mm. just do it for the love of being creative and know that if you're honest with yourself, if you're trusting your talent and bringing something to the table, that's interesting and not safe. Even if you don't book it, like you said, they're going to remember. And all of a sudden you're going to book something you didn't read for. Yeah. I'm doing a show right now that I didn't read for because of, of stuff I had done in the past. Um, and uh, uh, we're done. We're on season three. Mm. Oh, and this goes to the, to the, the, the setups that we all have. I auditioned for this at a resort in, in, in uh, Santa Barbara. Um, one of those, Hey, last minute auditions. Yeah. Um, no problem. I was traveling with my little gear. Mm-hmm. I forgot the cords. <sighs> so I literally held my iPad over my head and read the lines like this and book it. Now, <laughs> the moral of the story is good acting trumps. Eh, we could hear the waves of the ocean outside, but we don't care. It was a yeah. good performance. It's so funny when I watch like uh, like those Game of Thrones auditions or uh, there's so many of them that are just not what the standard, like the white background and all that stuff. It's like somebody sitting in their kitchen and there's like food everywhere. It's somebody who dared to just not care about the rules or the specs, whatever that is, and just show good acting. Because yeah. I feel like you can't ignore that. And yeah. I, I try to find that. And what do you... Is it is it again as simple as just doing it for the love of it and taking every audition as an opportunity to to be the character? Is that to have fun? Yeah, have fun. Just, just to have back fun. To that. And again, to have the 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 creative permission to look at that and go, I know it, that's what they're asking for. That is not how I see this character. Mm. The other thing people have to try have to keep in mind is when you get a script and you get your character specs. You know, as you know, when you get in a cartoon audition, sometimes you get a full writer script. Sometimes you just got little wild lines or scenes with maybe an adjective, you know, nervous, <laughs> uh, happy. It doesn't tell you how nervous, how happy, why are they nervous? Why are they happy? You're, you're talking about a character, you're mentioning them by name, but it doesn't tell you who they are. Mm. You might say their friend. Why are they since children, since, since maybe kindergarten, did they just meet them? Is it a virtual stranger? And you're like, I don't understand why this person thinks they know me. Create some interesting backstory because the, the mic will, will read these creative choices. The only wrong choice an actor can make is not making a choice. <sighs> but if you commit to your choices and they're bold and they're interesting, and if you go, man, you know, in this one little sentence, I see these characters walking together down the corridor in the high school and at the very end, the scene partner runs out to football practice. So, you know, I got to tell you, I think she's really, really cute. Dude, ask her out. doesn't say you do to ask her out, but you make that choice to move him away from this one-on-one conversation. And the casting director is hearing safe, safe, safe. Ooh, what happened? Where, what, 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 what is that? And the other thing I tell my students is that the microphone is the ear of your scene partner. So where you are on mic, even within a scene, if you imagine these characters are in motion, if you imagine that there's movement, there's geography, indoors, outdoors, in the school is not a choice, in the library with the asshole of a librarian, who, if you're talking, 
we'll smack you with a ruler. Mm-hmm. All of these little layers of choice that most people don't, they think a funny voice. You know, all characters have a voice, but not all voices have character. Mm. So you need to create as much as you possibly can in this one little moment in your audition to make it memorable, to take it off the page. That's the stuff that makes the people listening go, that's interesting. They're telling a story. You said storytelling earlier. It Mm. is storytelling. Yeah, It's not reading in a silly voice. It is creating interesting characters relating to other interesting characters and the environment. And you may be completely wrong with your choices. Once you get the call back, they redirect you and tell you what's really happening. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure this has happened to you too, where you get the job and they just peel back all those wonderful layers of creativity that got you in the room and they give it flat. Yeah. Yeah. But you got the job shut up. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I'm totally okay with that. And I think the majority of people feel their, if you feel that your creative liberties have been taken away, it's like, then I think you have to reevaluate that there's a ton of people in this room who hired you that will hire you again. And the writer, the assistant, hopefully they're trying to become a writer or whatever it is that like, like you said, work begets work. Yeah. You never know who's listening. Also, nice goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be a nice person. Be on time. Thank them for having you. Um, a handwritten thank you note. It's a it's a lost art. You know, um, just there was a, a guy back in the '80s who used to hire me for ADR, and the first time he hired me, I dropped off a bottle of wine at his house, and he hired me again two or three days later, and I did the same thing. And he ended up hiring me two or three times a week for probably 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And about the third or fourth job, he called me up and he goes, you don't have to give me a bottle of wine. Every time I hire you, I'm going to keep hiring you. And he goes, and I'm an alcoholic. I went, oh my <laughs> God, did I do something wrong? He goes, no, 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 no. Like, my wife enjoyed them, but I just want to let you know, you, you don't have to bribe me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire you. You're really good at what you do. Yeah. But I just, you know, my mom raised me that you show appreciation. You know, people are using this word client for voiceover jobs today. Mm. Uh, a client in my in my day, a client was if you were the voice of Kellogg's mm-hmm. and you were their, their contracted voice for 18 months, Kellogg's was a client in that yeah. ongoing work. Client today, and people put icons on their websites, you know, some of my clients include, and you might see, you know, uh, Michelin tires and Radio Shack, et cetera. Well, that doesn't tell us what you did. You might've done their, thank you for calling Radio Shack for customer service, press one. But if it's really gonna be impressive, you put a clip of the commercial that you did that goes with that icon. Um, Warner Brothers is not a client of mine. If you do book Phantom of the Opera, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber is not your client. But for some reason, and this happened with the internet, the voiceover industry, especially the non-union industry, uses the word client for anybody that has ever hired them, mm. which makes us a service industry, not a, not a craft, not an art. That's the other, you were going back to what you asked me earlier, what's changed? We're in the service industry. No, I'm not. I'm not in the service industry. I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I want to give them what they want, but I'm not in the service industry. I'm an artist. I'm an actor. I am an, I'm a performer. I can probably play it hopefully any way you want, or I'm not right for it, but I'm not going to bend over backwards to please you 
for 20 bucks in hopes that you give me another job for 40. Yeah. That is a client. That's, that's a plumber, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who are, are are doing that. And I think as a result, sometimes we're getting bad products. I think there are there is a lot of mediocrity out there. And I think because there's so much being made that some things are just... Uh, I, I feel like a bit of the artistic process, whether that be for the actor, the creatives, because of the pressures of the, the, the companies, we're not seeing kind of those paramount not not to make a pun but those paramount pictures where uh you know it, it's something like a, a a breaking bad or we're not seeing original titles be made in like the animaniacs or you know the looney tunes we're not seeing new titles really be made it's oftentimes a recycling of something because most companies and people and actors i think they're people are like playing it safe to try and have a career i'm seeing a bit of that yeah. have you seen something on your end a show or an actor i mean more, more than likely a show have you seen something late recently that you've consumed that's inspired you where you've seen like well, wow that's different that inspires me as an artist have you watched something like that recently i don't watch a lot <laughs> i don't i don't watch a lot i never watch my work i mean yeah. i watch an episode of something because i cringe when i hear my work because i'm too picky yeah so um you know, uh, a lot of on camera. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great content on camera. Uh, I'm in the TV Academy and we're in Emmy season. So yeah. I'm watching a lot of stuff. Uh, I just finished The Offer, which is all about the making of The Godfather. That was just genius. Mm. Mrs. Maisel, brilliant. Um, but <sighs> I don't watch a lot of cartoons. Yeah. Were so you... I, I, as a kid, though, were you watching? Were you watching a lot of cartoons, and that's where kind of your love for? I mean, obviously, you were watching Porky Pig to a degree, yeah. and that's where you kind of yeah. had that obsession. Was that like your consumption was particularly in specifically cartoons? Is that what you were consuming as a yeah. kid? Yeah, I'm, I'm at Saturday morning, a bowl of Captain Crunch, cutting the roof of my mouth. Yeah, watching Scooby Doo and Pebbles and Bam Bam and Tennessee Tuxedo and Underdog and the Jetsons and the Flintstones and Popeye. Uh, my favorite cartoons were the classics. Yeah, even though I didn't know a classic from a contemporary when you're five, six years old. Yeah, yeah. But watching those black and white Fleischer Popeye cartoons were genius. You yeah. know, but it was the comedy, it was the acting, it was the animation. But I also, you know, I remember being a kid going, well. Josie and the Pussycats, Scooby-Doo, the Funky Phantom. It's the same show. <laughs> it's this, hey, gang, let's let's do it. It's a mystery. Let's see who it is. Let's have a little song for no reason whatsoever other than the monkeys are popular. I mean, I was a kid going, this is formulaic. Yeah. But I watched it because it, it, <laughs> it worked. It, it, it did. I was, I, was the, I was the demographic. I probably stopped watching cartoons when I started working on them. Mm. Well, I take that back. If I'm auditioning for a show I've never been on, I mean, I didn't have the internet when I started out, so I can go and look at an episode of and go, oh, or if it's a cartoon based on a game, mm -hmm. I can go back and look at some clips from previous games and go, oh, it's different actors, but I get a feel for this character. All right, yeah. I got him. Okay. I mean, how many, you're like, oh God, they're looking for the Joker. I mean, why don't they just get Mark Hamill? Mm -hmm. Because how many versions of the Joker can there be? Well, let's let's think about it. There was Cesar Romero. There was Jack Nicholson. There was Mark Hamill. There's Kevin Michael Richardson. Mm. Um, there's, Richard uh, Epcar. Richard Epcar. Epcar. I was just going to go to Rich, yep. Richard. Yeah. Uh, how many versions are there? As many great actors as there are to, to audition for it. Yeah. 
I, I, I find that similar thing too, where it's harder for me to enjoy the things that I loved as a kid now that I'm doing it. And it's because I've, I've, I, it's almost because like you know the, how the sauce is made to a degree. I've I, mm-hmm. I've experienced where, not that the not that I still don't enjoy and have that that love of it as a kid, but definitely that element I've seen come around. Unless it's something extremely in, inspiring and storytelling will always prevail. I think a good story is. A, I agree. Is a good I story. agree. Oh my god, we're we're as good as the words. Yeah. You know, if the words, the characters, the relationships are there on the page, they. If you're a good actor, it acts itself. Yeah. Or, you know, this is one of the, another first world problem. You look at that line, you look at that scene, you're like, I have 12 ideas. They're <laughs> all so much fun. Which one do I commit to? And I got to tell you, if it's a game audition, any of those wild lines, you know, mm-hmm. of games, well, since they record them in threes, my auditions are threes. Yeah. You know, and I will give them three different places. I mean, if it says uh, anxious, you know, little anxious, really anxious, anxious to the point he's breaking out in hives and he can't scratch that itch in the middle of his back anxious. Mm. So I, I take them on a roller coaster ride, keeping the intent of what they're looking for, but giving them some range and ideas so they know if they get me in the booth, I can take this anywhere they want me to go. Because that's what you're going to be doing on the day. Mm-hmm. And to be able to show that you have that capacity and again, that range to take those risks because and I've seen it myself. So to one person that nervous, like, I can't do this could be, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And that might be for them. That's their range, you know? And they think that they're really stretching where to a studio, they might want that full blown, like, ah, you know, like, and right. to have the confidence to do right. that. Right. And, and, and as you're, I so often, you know, when I see a student, like, give me three ABC, give me three different ones. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Like that's the same one. No, I emphasize can't on the first one. <laughs> I said, okay, it's not fabulous. Why are you emphasizing can't? What do you mean? Well, you're emphasizing, there's gotta be a purpose behind emphasis. Why are you yeah. emphasizing can't? Um, well, give me an idea of what you mean. When you were five years old and you did that, your parents beat the shit out of you. That's why you can't do it, go. But it doesn't say anything about, I don't care. It's called subtext. You're an actor. Yeah. Have that in the back of your mind. It'll read on the mic and the listener's going to go, Jesus, what, where is that guy going? Or what about like, it says nervous. You ever heard of a, heard of a nervous laugh? I can't do this. I mean, there's so many ways to play an adjective. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is make those choices and be, and, and commit to them and don't hesitate on that choice for hopes that it's the right one. Because if you do, they're going to hear that, oh, Jesus, he is not committing on that choice. He's waiting for us to go, not what we want. We're not there. Yeah. We're not in your booth. Just commit. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, and that makes me curious, because I know you said you're an anxious person, but I perceive you as a very confident, um, in tune with their instrument kind of human being and actor. And it makes me wonder, especially as a kid, did you, because you kind of had that conviction, conviction for becoming the voice of Porky Pig. Did you, did you, was it, was it a matter of, I wanted to be the voice of Porky Pig that led you down your journey? Or was it, I know I'm going to be the voice of Porky Pig? In my mind, there was no difference. First of all, I thought nobody else wants to do this, but me. Who huh. else wants to do funny voices for cartoons? Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's sort of like, you know, saying to your parents, I mean, you know, you could say, I want to be an actor. I want to go to Yale drama school. I want to be an actor. Or... 
I want to play Curly in Oklahoma on Broadway. Mm. Well, what are the odds that you've got the chops? What are the odds that you got the looks? And what are the odds that it's going to be on Broadway anytime in your lifetime? Yeah. So uh, my goals to be this one character were a little unrealistically specific. <laughs> and then I found out, you know, you know, first of all, I was 14 when I called Mel Blanc and my voice hadn't really changed. And yeah. I never studied. So I always had this. This is the character I want to play. But I realized, oh, my God, I got to study to be an actor. Oh, my God, I've got to be in the business working if and when opportunity arises that they're looking for somebody to play this character. Yeah. So I got my first agent in 82. Mel Blanc, I was working as an actor when Mel Blanc passed away in 89. And I happened to have a top agent who was able to get me into the room. Was that a product of you? Was that a product of you saying, "Listen, I know this just happened. I am the man for the job. Like, put me in, coach." Was that the what happened at that point when he passed? Kind of. I mean, every every agent I was ever with, I was like, "Look, this is my goal. This is what I want to do." Mm -hmm. So you know, uh, don't let this opportunity pass me by. Yeah. Um, And you know, it was like every audition. Melvin passed away, and they just sent copy to all the agents, Mm -hmm. and I. I was a working cartoon voice actor and my agent sent me the auditions for, for all the characters. And, um, I had an audition, I had a callback, I had another callback. I had like a dozen callbacks that first, before that first job, mm-hmm. that was the first round of auditions for a job. And that was for tiny tunes in 1990. And then the next major round of auditions was for the first space jam movie. And then the next major round of auditions were for, I think the cartoon duck Dodgers and I'm doing two or three projects right now. And each one I've had to audition for. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, that's showbiz. But, um, Looney Tunes is this much of my career. Yeah. You know, it, it's just high profile. I use it to my advantage. Of course. But, but you do everything, you know, you do games, you do villains, yeah. you do, you do silly. I do a lot of, you know, creature sounds, babies, you know, crying and making noises because, you know, you get a real baby and you say action, but they don't because they're babies. So, um, you know, I'm sure you know this too, that the more uh, diversity is the key to keep working in this business. If, you know, if if it's a slow commercial day, maybe there's a game audition. If it's a slow game day, maybe there's a promo, slow promo narration, et cetera. So anytime an actor says it's been slow, I'm like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's also perception, too. I think a lot of people get hung up on this. uh, Like, you know, for instance, my Twitter followers are going to much more respond to this idea if I get this big animation or anime or video game, whereas there's a ton of, you know, Ikea, Liberty Mutual, Geico, that's filling the majority of my schedule. But from a a business standpoint or a brand perspective, that's not what's capturing the attention of uh, most people who are consumer consumers of like you know videos and video games and like I don't know how many diehard uh, Geico fans I have from all the Geico commercials I've done, but <laughs> you know they're much more probably pro- unless they're nerds. Yeah, they're like, I wonder who that voice is. But for fan based animation, I'm mean, rather fan based voiceover, like animation and games, anime. Yeah. Which you know this is why you know actors go to fan conventions on weekends and sign because they're the most loyal fans on the planet hands down Um, but this is why you know a studio is going to say okay we heard we got we've got a short list of five actors for this lead in this new series 
Let's see how many followers they have. Mm. Let's see how often they promote their work. Let's see how engaged they are with their fans. Okay, this guy has 2,000 followers. This guy has 25,000 followers. And he promoted that Geico commercial, which is why the advertising agency keeps using him because they're giving him free advertising. Mm -hmm. And that's happening now more than ever, I think. It, oh, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't always the case, you know, when, I mean, obviously social media didn't exist, but now right. voice actors are becoming. The, when they were just the voice, there was no face behind what was being done. Now there is a face and voice actors and rightfully so are becoming and, and getting the attention for their work as yeah. performers. Uh, and I think social media, I mean, I, I had a small, uh, I had a small company and brand new company. They saw a TikTok video I made about an anime movie that I did that somebody on the team was a fan of and they reached out to me and I don't have a tremendous TikTok following. I mean, I've got, you know, some following there, but they were like, I loved you in this. I saw your TikTok come up and I had to reach out to you because we're working on this new, these new set of things with all these former Disney and Pixar executives. And I'm like, just for me making that video, I created this opportunity from the promotion of my own work. Right. And it's not you don't you don't go out making those videos with that as the end goal. Like I'm gonna assume somebody's gonna see it, but you never know. You don't know. You you never know. And if you're doing it for the enjoyment, if you're doing it, you know, just to please yourself, there's such a authenticity about it. I mean, we've all seen the desperate Instagram videos mm -hmm. and whatnot, where people it's like, I haven't said anything in two days. I got to say something. Or they post on Facebook, like, you know, I just had my first snail. Who cares? <laughs> no, I voiced a snail and here's a clip. That's yeah. interesting. That's fun. But nobody cares that you that you ate your first snail. Just think about the person reading your stuff. You know, I, I, I try to only post interesting things. And I really only post about my career. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a personal poster. Um, I think people get kind of sick of it. It's also, like you said, a fine line when you know, and I, I, I remember I did this game for Square Enix, a very big Japanese uh, video game company, and I have this feature on my website where I can see IP addresses of who visits my website, and I get alerts from it like every month or every week, and I see a bunch of things from a Japanese, like as I'm in negotiations for this job, I'm seeing a bunch of IP addresses from that headquarters, and it mm -hmm. says the name of it, and I'm going, oh, they're seeing everything, and I have my social media linked to my, my website, I'm going, oh, great, so... I'm glad I'm not posting, you know, pictures of me with my boxers on my head because they're looking for the next person to represent their product, right. you know? So there is that fine line between if you're going to, you know, uh, represent yourself on your social media, both business and professional, understand with that the repercussions of somebody may choose to not hire you because of something silly you post or... Or, or political. Yeah, very, that more uh, so than not. I, I was I was working on a, a franchise for Disney, uh, like three or four films and same group of actors, you know, coming in each time doing your stuff. And I was looking around and I was like, where's so and so? Mm. Are they sick? Are they, were they were they working? And the producer said he didn't mean it. And he probably had no idea I had anything to do with it. But he posted on Facebook. Hey, I know it's real successful, but did anybody else hate the movie so-and-so as much as I did. And people are like all of a sudden critics. And you're looking at that and you're like, you just insulted the producer of this franchise and they're not going to hire you for the next film. You're not going to make the 30 grand of residuals mm -hmm. because you had to post your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, freedom of speech. Oh, I'm not denying your freedom to do it. You should have the freedom to do it. Just re realize that when you post something, assume everybody sees everything. So if you were to bump into somebody at a restaurant like this producer and walk up to him and say, by the way, hated your last movie. Would you do that? No. Then why would you advertise it on social media to more, more a larger audience than than you would at that restaurant? Yeah, I I remember I was I was many years ago I was pitching a TV series about video gamers. I'm a, I'm a very I'm a very big video gamer if you can't tell. Uh, and it was uh I was talking to a, a new production company and I was telling them how we were trying to you know you have comps you base your things off of what you're trying to work on and I was like this is very much not like that movie Pixels. You know we're trying to cater cater to the fan base and we're trying to be authentic and have real people who are fans be uh, the the creators and writers of the show and then the person who is in the production company goes you might not want to repeat that because all my friends are the people who produced that thing. And that was a very interesting lesson for me early in my career to be like, you never know who might, that might be someone's favorite show. That might be someone's best friend. That might, you, you, you have no idea what your opinion and granted that could be the conviction you need to get your job, but it also can have that negative repercussion. And you just, there's yep. no way of knowing you have to, just, you have to own it. I just make it a point to not be negative on social media. Yeah. You know? People, what did you think of so-and-so? Um, if I post something about a film, about I, I, it's it's because I liked it. Yeah. If I didn't like it, I keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. It's I do not want to advertise negativity. The internet is a cesspool of negativity. And everybody needs to be heard. And they, they're combative if they're not agreed with. And I'm like, no, I don't care. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of toxicity. So I just avoid negatives. Yeah, there's enough of it. I think, uh, and and social media is a is a blessing and a curse in that sense, where it becomes an echo chamber for whatever it is, whether good or bad. And yeah, a lot of the times the bad rises to the top because it's more uh, it's controversial. Loud. Yeah, it's cloud too. I would, I might, I would always tell people is that the uh, social media is a it's a wonderful tool. But it can also make tools out of wonderful people. <laughs> I like that. That is so true. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I mean, with that being said, I, I, I thank you so much for your time. I want to ask just a couple more questions sure. here, and we have a fan question too that we want to bring in. Um, okay. Before we before we do that, I just want to make sure. Um, let me see here. Okay, yeah. Why don't, uh, I was going to make sure we didn't touch upon it. Uh, Joe, why don't you bring in our fan question right now that somebody wrote in for us. And thank you for everybody who does this on this podcast. Um, and you can continue to do so by emailing info at pointsofexperiencepodcast.com. So whoa, who do we have whoa, today? Say that way. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. Prices of participation may vary. Limited time offer. No. Exactly. <laughs> info at pointsofexperiencepodcast.com. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the question is from Raka Septa. I hope I'm saying that right. Bob, how does it feel to be able to come back to Space Jam again after 25 years? Oh, uh, it was a totally different experience because I didn't play Porky. I just played Tweety. I did Porky and Tweety in the first one. Different producers, different script, different everything. Um, it, it, it was just different. I mean, that's, that's mm. the best answer I could give you. It was just a very, very, very different experience. And uh, I, I did the second Space Jam 100% from my home studio. The first one, I did it with the whole cast at Warner Brothers with Ivan Reitman directing. Um, yeah, just a very, very, very different experience. Um, I, you know, I went to the premiere. They spent a lot of money 
in that movie. That money was on the screen. The animation was just exquisite, uh-huh. but it was just very, very different. How is it working? I mean, I guess like you've even said, you've auditioned for Porky Pig so many times. Is that have is it just part of the job and understanding that, especially with um, these characters that are part of brands that are kind of larger than life? Obviously, you weren't the original voice of something. You didn't originate that voice. Does it feel different for you if it were to be a character you were originated and then they were to say, all right, we're looking for somebody else? Or is there just an understanding, okay, this is a character that is being you know, it's like the Joker. It's going to take on many different iterations. Is it? Is there a difference for that? You know, for Looney Tunes, uh, like when I was doing a show called New Looney Tunes, finishing that up when they were holding auditions for the Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Well, the HBO Max cartoons were an homage to the 1940s. Mm. So very, very Bob Clampett, very Tex Avery. Uh, a style of the characters we had never really done. So... Um, you know, you just have to take the the writing, the producer's intent and be malleable. You got to be able to bend. You know, my, my whole thing has always been um, I can play this character any way you want, but I try to keep the integrity of the character. So I have no problem saying, um, can I try to take just one for me? Mm-hmm. If, you know, I hate it when they write in my stutter. Because it's not, it's never going to be on a word I would stutter on. Mm-hmm. And I can't find the damn story around all those W's and T's and D's. I'm yeah. like, what, what is it? What am I trying to say here? So you try to be uh, uh, respectful. And after that, if it's a series, after that first session, say, if there's a specific joke you want to do with a stutter, let me know. But if you write the stutter in, I, I, I can't find the actual words. Yeah. Uh, and I don't plan the stutter. It it happens organically. Um, I, I, I just talk, and if the character feels like it needs to, it sounds like it has to have a speech impediment. If I talk like that, but it, I, you know, I that's it's it's very organic to my uh, to my acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I I will do the same thing for a, a Borky audition that I would do for a game. I would do each line two or three different ways just yeah. to show them I can take this character any way you know, we want me to go. And I'm more comfortable in, in pig skin than I am in my skin because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm much more comfortable playing him than doing my own voice yeah. for, for commercial. Uh, so I always, you know, I audition, uh, I try to get the job. doesn't always happen. I'd say I'm the, I'm a, I'm a 95 plus percenter yeah. on, on, on booking it, but you know, there's going to come a day where I'm going to be either retired or no longer with us and the characters are going to continue. So yeah. it, it is what it is. You know, and, and we can cut this out too. I have a question because I, you know, as someone who's an actor and I think a lot of people as actors, we get these auditions for characters that exist already. And there seems to be within the entertainment industry or the voice acting community or acting community, kind of a split opinion on, um, you know, auditioning for these roles. You know, I've seen Looney Tunes stuff come in. I've seen other things. I actually, I remember one of the first things I did when I was kind of naive, they were doing some sort of web series version of Johnny Test. And I wound up getting to meet uh, James Arnold Taylor at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, they, this was something so, I, I don't really know was I was non-union at the time. And I didn't know the interworkings until I wound up speaking with him. But, you know, he was kind of like, didn't really understand what was happening they were doing this netflix thing too at the same time apparently and uh you know he he was he you know no harm to the actor you're just you know you're auditioning booking the job 
how do you feel in terms of that kind of um, discrepancy that exists between actors where there's these companies looking to save money and they're, you know, changing things from union to non-union. And if that's not the case, if that's not the case that's happening with the studio, what I think I'm frozen again. No, okay, good, good. Great, great. Yeah. So if that's the if that's not the case with the studio who's doing that, um, what is the reason you believe that, especially with something like Porky Pig, that they constantly are are they just waiting inevitably if you decide you don't want to do it anymore and they want to have insurance? What do you think the reasoning is? Because they can't. Yeah. I mean, you get you get a creative who's like, you know, I want to see who else is out there. Um, sometimes it might be to keep your your bottom line lower. Mm. Um, sometimes it might just be, um, I don't like that person. I want to hire somebody else. Mm. Um, for what, I mean, when you, when you do or don't get the job, you never say, why did you go this way? Yeah. You know, it just, it just happens. Um, my generation would never, uh, even audition for somebody else's character. And when I say somebody else's character, like, you know, how many people have played Superman? How many people have played Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. To say it's somebody's character just because you played it a few times doesn't make it your character. I'm 32 years playing this, this, this character. Uh, uh, oh gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking. And Jeff Bennett, who was, who did Johnny Bravo. Yeah. If they bring Johnny Bravo back and they hold auditions, my first question, my first, before I even read for it, is going to contact Jeff and say, what's going down. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I, 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 I was asked to audition. No, it was actually, I, I had auditioned and booked it. And I said to my agent, don't, don't, don't confirm the booking yet. I want you to call. It was for, it was for Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And I said, call Mark Hamill's agent and find out if it's a, if it's a negotiation. Yeah. Is he not interested, but I'm not going to take this if he wants it. Yep. It was, it was before they brought him back in the films. He didn't want it. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, they, they, they're in production on a new version of Tiny Toons. And before I auditioned for, for, for Buster Bunny, which I didn't get, but I, I contacted Charlie Adler and mm. I said, dude, not, not without your blessing and no hard feelings. If you do not want me to do this. Yeah. He, he, he moved on. Yeah. And he said, you're the only actor that asked. Thank you. But my generation will do that. The, the newer generation. And I think it's the distance of the internet, the distance of the home recording. Yeah. They, they, they don't know the courtesy, the ethics, the manners, whatever you want to call it, that you reach out to somebody else who's, who's done this before and say, would you prefer I don't do this? Yeah. Um, I can't speak for anybody else other than myself. Of course. Uh, I, I, will not, I will not read for somebody else's character without finding out. And sometimes it's like, I mean, I'm going to mention a name. You probably have no idea who he is, but I studied with a guy named Dawes Butler. Back of course, in the uh, Yogi Bear. Exactly. And he was, uh, and he was, Huckleberry he was Hound. and he was Captain Crunch mm-hmm. and they were holding auditions for Captain Crunch. And I was like, I'm going to tell Dawes. And I, I called him up and he said, well, no, Quaker Oats changed ad agencies and they want to change the character. So I'm out. I mean, they didn't pick up my option. I am completely out. Yeah. I said, well, okay, but I'm not reading for it. And he goes, no, come to my house. I'll, I'll coach you. You should read for it. He goes, I'm out. I would love to see a friend and a, and a student get this. Yeah. So he coached me on, 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 
on the way to Captain Crunch. Well, they were changing the character and making him more youthful. Yeah. So that's not what they wanted. Bottom line is he had the decency to know he's out past the torch. Yeah. Where some people would be like, I'm out, but screw them. How don't you dare? No, at that point, you got to give your blessing. Yeah. But I don't believe in in going after somebody else's job if they are character, if they still want it. Yeah. I think what you said is is so important. And that's exactly, I mean, funny enough, the entirety of how I wind up sounding with my LA agent is through that interaction I had with James telling him about, hey, this is what's happening right here. I have no idea if you know. And I guess being a naive actor, I can only assume, or uh, not naive, excuse me, being somebody who hadn't established myself, you kind of feel like, am I the person to say this to somebody else there is that intimidation factor but it wound up being yeah. one of the most wonderful conversations and he was been so generous and he's gracious the nicest guy on the planet yeah so you know you wind up finding that out but i think it's and that's why it was so important what happened with john dimaggio i think with uh with bender and future rama because if i believe and again i can't speak for anyone either but if people don't stand with each other and show the value of somebody's hard work and originating something and having, and I guess too, there is, you know, new people trying to get into the industry. They're desperate and they want anything and they'll take any branch that's handed to them to get into this industry. I can, I can understand that. But if there's not some kind of a unity and a respect amongst actors, this is my opinion. How do we retain our value without unity and, respecting of the of the craft i mean then it just gives permission to all of these studios to say you're not important you're replaceable you know that's why when that john dimaggio stuff happened i sent them a note and i just said listen thank you so much on behalf of like people who are at my stage in their career because you want to feel that somebody else would have that same feeling with you to be like yeah i'm going to stand up for myself get paid what i believe and if they want to replace this character let fans are going to let you know we care about the people who invented these characters, who lent their, you know, their skills and their training and their inspirations to yeah. to what you're capitalizing on now. So that's my little soapbox on it. That's why I've always been curious on how, you know, certain people feel about that 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 going on. And like you said, Superman, Porky Pig, these characters have been around. I think it's a little different than when somebody, you know, they're crafting something in their basement and then it's so easily being like, yeah, well, it's ours now. Yeah, and and also karma's a bitch. That's it. Um, you know, you, you might you might have taken that job from another actor, but you're not going to have the respect of the cast. You're not going to have the respect of a lot of casting directors. Mm-hmm. They might be hiring you because their bosses are saying you got to hire this person. Whatever, um, it's going to bite you in the ass. That's my personal opinion. Also, um, you do have to value the fans, but you also have to have values and. I just couldn't sleep with myself knowing that I was like, ooh, whose job can I take? I never went after Mel Blanc's characters when Mel Blanc was still around. Yeah. You know, I would, that, that. in fact, when I talked talk to him on the phone, he asked me if I created any characters. I, I never told him I wanted to be Porky Pig, nor did I do it for him because I thought that was rude as hell. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's- then I realized, oh my God, I got to get into this business and be right place, right time, if this is ever going to happen. Yeah. But I would never go, is he dead yet? Is he dead? No, that's horrible. <laughs> Gosh, what a... 
I mean, listen, there are some people, and I think that's where the bad seeds come in, who are, uh, they just want anything for fame, success, and they're not in it for the right reasons. And that's with the accessibility of this industry and social media. I think anybody can, you know, put their stuff out there and they don't have the same morals that people who appreciate this craft do. So, um, you know, there's a there's a dark side to everything, as they say. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, again, mm-hmm. like we can cut that out if, you, if you'd like as well. It's just I find it a, a fascinating thing to for people to know because there's a lot of people getting into this industry. And because it is so competitive, it's I feel some people will jump on any opportunity that's presented to them and they won't see that. Like you just said, reach out, you know, uh, karma is a bitch and you may I not. Know. Over the years, they have done auditions for The Simpsons when that cast was asking for more money. Yeah. I would tell my students, this is not how you want to get into this business. And I know there's a lot of people over the years that could never get arrested, could not get representation because the clients that that act, that agent represented said, I will leave you if you take them on. Mm. They are backstabbers. They are, they're going to go after all of our jobs. They have no ethics. They have no morals. They're yeah. so cutthroat. And you know what? The agent doesn't want to lose that moneymaker who they, they they represented first. Yeah. Actors don't. How come I keep getting turned down by agents? Because especially with social media today, people talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, There's more communication now and everything will come to the surface at one point or another there again it, uh, people find these things and, and you will create a reputation i i think you got to have your values you got to have your morals um and that, yeah that's a wonderful piece of advice for people looking to break into this industry uh on one last fun note here yeah i uh, i came across you had had a one-man show that you had performed some years ago yeah I did. is that something you'd ever consider re-bringing back to people or like a netflix special or I don't know nope. if anybody would be interested no and I don't know uh if I were to bring it back I mean I last time I did it was god so long ago I'd have to rewrite it because you know it's, it was autobiographical so it was my career yeah. up at that point um it was a lot of work uh-huh. you know it was a lot of work there's a lot of memorization I produced it as well um would I do it maybe you know, yeah. I keep talking about actually maybe instead of doing it as a play, do it as a book, mm. you know, where I have little anecdote stories, not a linear, you know, my life when I was five years old, just here's a story about this. Here's a story about this. Here's a story about this little short bites, yeah. uh, maybe. And if that's successful, maybe take that and relaunch it as a, as a one person show. Yeah. But it was fun. I did it all over the place. It was, I, I enjoyed it. Hard work. Yeah. I mean, it looked amazing. The trailer exists online for anybody who wants to look it up. It's, you know, I'm sure you type in Bob Bergen, one man show. What was the proper title of it for people who are? That version was called Bob Bergen. So here's the deal. So here's the deal. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the story of a nice Jewish boy who wanted to be Porky Pig. <laughs> but as you said, it's probably evolved now since you, you've done that. And I'm guaranteed, yeah, a book would be fascinating. And I, I would love to see something like that. I, I, the more resources, and that's why, I mean, I do this podcast is just trying to create more opportunities for people who are interested and don't have the resources. I had none when I was starting. It was, I mean, granted, the internet was around, but it was. Uh, How do you know where to go? You know? Y- yeah. Because everybody, if you just Google voiceover classes or get into voiceover, you see 25,000 different people and names and ways and, you know, 
make money. Um, yeah. How do you know who to trust? Well, mm-hmm. you know, again, go to uh, this advertising executive at Leo Burnett, go to Rob Paulson, go to James Arnold Taylor, um, look who their agents are. I mean, if you're smart, look, being smart, no matter what career that you want is kind of important. Yeah. So don't go for easy. Don't go for fast. Don't go for cheap. Go for the best. And yeah. so go towards the best for, you know, a roadmap on how to get to where they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And for anybody who doesn't know, I I believe you've announced this. I mean, it's on your website. You do Zoom private coaching now available. You have a tremendously long wait list for your class, which I highly recommend to anybody, but you're going to be in for a a little bit of a waiting queue. Uh, But I I think you're one of the best in the business in terms of teaching this. As we've just experienced right now, it's your your wealth of knowledge on the subject and your passion for, for teaching and for helping actors. It doesn't go unmissed. And again, I appreciate you so much for what you do for this community. It is, uh, we are blessed really honestly to have people like you doing um, what you do and offering your services and, and, you know, doing what I'm assuming, you know, I'm sure Dawes maybe had an inspiration on you. And oh yeah, Daw- I mean, Dawes, Butler, Casey Case, and all the people I talked about, you know, they were, they ha- they held my hand. I remember when, when I signed with that first agent, that mm. big time agent, and I, and I had four years of voiceover classes and I said to him, What's a SAG card? <laughs> and he and he because I I got Taft Hartley for my first cartoon. Yeah. And he goes, you got to go down and join SAG. I got I said I have to join SAG, and I made three hundred and something dollars on the cartoon. It cost me six hundred and something to join SAG. And I called him up and I said, do I have to do this with every job? Because there's no profit. <laughs> you can't make money. Yeah. He goes, no, no, no. You don't have to do it. He goes, well, now you have to go down and join AFTRA. I said, what's AFTRA? AFTRA. <laughs> And he goes, that's, 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 that's it. Unless you want to do theater, you have to join equity. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, good God, this is very expensive. Yeah. I think they have payment plans now, which is thankfully, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's how I did it back when I joined, but it is pricey. And it's, if you're taking your ser- your career seriously, then that is a serious investment, but you, you're doing it professionally. You'll make your money back and it'll yeah. pay for itself. Um, you just made me think too, with your, have you ever considered taking like what you do in terms of your teaching? Like in a, and cause I know you said you didn't go to college and you weren't going to learn how to do Porky Pig in a university. Have you ever considered like collaborating with like a, a university? or a school because there is no there's acting schools and they're great and you learn how to act you learn how to act for theater but I went to NYU I went through mm-hmm. university they don't even there's not a discussion about voiceover yeah there's, I taught I taught at UCLA for about five ten years mm. um, I did some classes at Cal State Northridge but because it's a university and you're under their rules yeah uh, anybody who signs up for the class can take it you know, there's no um, vetting process like that. No, yeah. no. What I would love to do is a master class. That's what I would really love to do. And I've reached out to them and I've heard nothing. And Nancy Cartwright did. Yeah. Um, and it was good. But, you know, uh, there's more than one cooking class on. There's more than one class. acting one, too. Exactly. So uh, I've tried to reach out to them. It's been it's a, it's kind of like, you know, it's hard to to get in the door. Yeah. So if anybody's watching this and knows how to get me in touch with the right people at Masterclass, let me know. Yes, that would be fantastic. And it is, I've, I purchased Masterclass for someone as a gift and yeah, you get I, access. I, 
I watch them all the time. Yeah, they're fantastic. You get access. I think what a fantastic thing to, to have there and, and the different perspectives, especially in these subjective industries like voice acting. I mean, you would only benefit from seeing how different people have, have navigated and have different techniques. It's like why yeah. train with as many people as you can because you're going to get a different set of tools from each teacher that you have. Um, yeah, and I, and I would do it very differently than, than Nancy. I would bring in agents and casting directors and do a mock audition and a mock callback so people could see what the experience is like. I videotaped my last two, there were a while ago, my last two demo sessions. Um, With Chuck Duran, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and I did that for two reasons. Number one, oh, there's a mystique about it if you've never done a demo. What's it like? How much input can I have? Can I yeah. be creative or am I just a robot doing what they tell me? And I wanted people to see me mess up. I wanted people to see me needing direction because if I need direction after 35, 40 years in this business, certainly mm -hmm. a newbie <laughs> needs direction. So yeah, I've got different ideas. If I mm -hmm. did a masterclass from creating the characters to marketing your career uh, to work, how do you agent your agent? You know, let's look at, let's do a mock callback. What's different on the callback than than you did, you did at the first round, et cetera. So uh, again, if anybody from Masterclass is watching this, my number is 818. I won't go. <laughs> I mean, listen, everybody, uh, this has been so fantastic. Who who would who here wouldn't want a, a you know three time Emmy nominated Bob Bergen to be teaching a Masterclass? If if if, if not that platform, let's find another one for you to Fair. do it of, of equal uh, of stature and uh, accessibility. Uh, Bob, honestly, thank you so much for coming on here this has been such a gift and i think people are going to replay this uh, a thousand times because you said so much that is invaluable and this type of stuff was not around when when i was starting so thank you me so too much. yep me <laughs> too and please are you kidding i would have killed I, right exactly yeah, I, yeah. uh everybody give it up uh bobber is there anything you would like to promote anything coming up anything or just your website if people want to take classes Oh, uh, yeah, pop me a note for my website. It is a long wait list. Now, if somebody has a an audition they want coached, I will bump you up the list. Mm -hmm. It has to fit into my schedule. But, um, yeah, uh, bob at bobbergen.com is my email. Uh, bobbergen.com is my website. I always tell people, get on the list, even though yeah. it's, like, long. Not everybody will, can take it when I get to their name. So, yeah. And As it else? comes. Uh, shoot, I know you're going to ask that question. I never know <laughs> what I'm doing. Wait a minute. Let me tell you. Hang on. I'm doing Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max. Uh, let's see. I can't. A uh, Bad Batch, uh, Bugs Bunny Builders was just Ooh. announced. That's going to be on HBO Max, I believe. Uh, Do Drop Diaries. Um, oh, gosh. Um, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. <laughs> that we have ndas people um <laughs> I, I robot chicken i'm sure there's a robot chicken coming out somewhere um i just booked something on spidey and his amazing friends and king titans go but i can't talk about what i'm doing so yeah it's been busy it's you're been busy good. And that's the dream. I mean, my gosh, to do what you love consistently, uh, have a career, like you said, that's more than just 5% of what you do. Like, I, I'm going to retain a lot of what you said for myself selfishly here. So this was, this all been a bit of Thank you so much, Bob, everybody. Uh, Bob Bergen. What a freaking guy. What a guy indeed. What a guy indeed. 
uh, she, I didn't when he responded back. I kind of knew he would because of how gracious he is, and I talked about having emailed him, you know, and having done that. And listen. I apologize in advance, Bob, if you're listening to this and your inbox gets flooded with people now doing the same thing. Listen to my demo! <laughs> I apologize in advance. But the fact that you have offered that as like something you're like, yeah, send it to me. How insane is that? And you know what? He's such an awesome guy that he'll probably answer those people too. <laughs> I know! <laughs> like, like let's, but, let's take any other like, career, for example. What, like, imagine, imagine uh, the creators of Rick and Morty. They were just like, my favorite. You know, you just could send them your animations and they'd be like, yeah, send them to me, please. Here's my email. <laughs> you know? Uh, Dan Harmon, if you're listening to this, I will start animation school tomorrow and uh, <laughs> send you some stuff. Yeah, I just want to be a part of that series in any way possible. It's so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, that was so cool. Uh, can are you, are you ready to do your impersonation of Porky Pig now? You think you can do it? Um... I'm going to save everyone's ears mm. and just pass because after hearing the the master, I feel like I would just be – it would be disrespectful, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why – I mean that's why that – I mean honestly, that's why that question was so important to me at the end there, like having etiquette about that because I always wondered about that. I'm like he's – you know, he's doing that character for so long. He's porky pig to me at this point. Um but, you yeah. know what was most interesting though, because he said that that was his most iconic, um, I guess you could say performance, but it was only like ten percent of his five percent or five yeah. percent. Yeah, that is just insane. I me. mean, just look like, at his IMDb. I have yeah. it open here, and the amount of stuff um, that he has worked on. It's as a Star Wars fan. I mean, I, I absolutely love. And have you seen Bad Batch? He's so good as Lama Su. Um, and he's I'm been not. in Clone Wars. I mean, Bad Batch is so good. Um, but you know, he's been Mister Peabody. Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker. He's done Luke just Skywalker, and dude. he's he's lent his voice to so many things. I mean, the amount of stuff that he's worked on, like Smurfs, um, uh, Skylanders, Despicable Me. Yeah, Monsters University. He is somebody who you know who shows up to the job and he's going to start kicking butt. And that's I think for anybody pursuing a career, if 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 someone's constantly calling you back to to like fill in for these additional voices, and we talked about this with Ryan a little bit, like that being able to be a utility player, a team player, and that good of an actor where anybody yeah. can call you up and say we've got like twenty different things to do, Bob will take care of it. Someone will take care of it. That's like. That's so impressive within itself. It's rare you see someone like that too, who's so humble and oh, that, like dude, overall oh just gosh. chill. You know, dude's an, dude's nominated for three Emmys. Like, yeah, like, and he sat with us. Like, come yeah. on, yeah. He, and and honestly, it's like we're not the first people, which is even crazier. He does this all the time, um, and he graces people with his with his time. It's seriously, we, I, I, he probably doesn't want to take the compliment the way it is, but it's, it means so much to have people like that in any industry. And it's, there's, they're few and far between. Oftentimes it's for, um, like selfish reasons for people who are like that. They're like, yeah, feed my ego for him. No, it's like, I want to give this information back. And right. I think that comes from having had people in his life like Dawes Butler and uh, Casey Kasem and, and Mel Blanc. Like when you have the top of the food chain saying like, hey, there's enough to eat, eat here for everybody. Like that's so encouraging. Oh, yeah. That's what it was for me. And uh, 
again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the version of that is today. Where, where, like he said, you know, email these people and Twitter these people. Well, everybody's doing that, right? Everybody's yeah. probably doing that or trying to do that, maybe. So, what's the next step now? Is it like you're sending edible arrangements to these people's houses with like uh, a video message included? Like, how can you directly get to the source? How can you stand out amongst the crowd? Um, you know, like. I, yeah, I, I saw a TikTok yesterday with some guy who was just like, I see people applying to jobs and uh, don't just like apply to the job and upload your resume and click apply. Like, email the CEO and like tell him like, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm ready. Like, who do I need to speak to in the company? Like, my my um, vision aligns with your company's mission statement. And yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a game changer because. For the 99 people that say, oh, that's not going to work. I'm yeah. not going to do that. There's one person that will do it and yep. they'll get they'll get hit with something. And as someone who has done this, I've been that person who's put themselves out there. I've emailed Lionsgate before when they announced that they were doing the Naruto movie. And I basically told them I would be a tree. Like I was like, <laughs> I'll do anything to get hired. Like, let me be, be like. I'll be the ramen in the soup. Like, I, like you know what I mean? I'll do anything. I'll be a noodle. And as Paul someone who's... Castro, voice of ramen. <laughs> yeah, voice of... The, the sound effects of the ramen noodles. Like, like I was like, I'm like... I, it's not going to work 90% of the time. You know, most times you're going to get ignored, ignored. But I think there is that 10%, 1%, whatever it might be, where someone does respond back. Yeah. I put myself, even for getting guests on here, you know, there's like, I don't know Bob really that well. I don't know half of the other people we're going to have on this show. And I'm just, you know, throwing the net out there and hoping that somebody's like, yeah, I want to, you know, lend my voice to the thing that you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think if you have good intentions and you're a good person and they, they see that you're someone trying to provide value or you're eager to learn or whatever it might be, you're good intentioned that they will respond. So you can't just, and I've gotten these before. I literally got a, a DM the other day on, on Instagram and someone was like, help me become a voice actor. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, do you sound hey, like, I have a podcast where I'm trying. Like, what do you want? You're looking for them to give you something. Mm-hmm. Like, not just, hey, do this. You're looking for, like, hey, I've been watching your videos. I've been practicing. I've been learning. I have this question, like, whatever. Then yeah. that's someone who I think deserves, you know. The, atten- the attention or a response. But Be like, specific. Like you're saying, yeah. like, what is it that you have a question about? What is it you're looking for? Is it, are you at that point in your career where you are, like, have you done, like, again, not to say that I was anything of, of, of value when I emailed Bob, but, you know, I had a demo that I made myself, at least. I've been training as an actor. I yeah. had a little bit going for me. Maybe that's, maybe that's even, maybe he'll, listen, maybe him specifically, Bob, it doesn't matter where you're at. And he's that kind of a person. But I think that you'll get further with some other people if you've at least taken, you know, put, put your toe in the pool a little bit. And you're not just um, there to, to say, basically, I have done no research of my own. Hold my hand the entire way and uh, give me <laughs> I, what I want. I used to get, give me V-Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's like 30 of those. It's like, yeah, you know, it's exactly what I was waiting to hear today. I just need to give people money right uh, now. Yeah. Yeah. 
gosh. Uh, what a, what an episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for, for listening. As always, remember, uh, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, please. Five stars would be nice if you believe that that's the quality of which we're providing. Um, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow and do the same thing on Spotify. I'm still not sure to this day. And um, questions, info at pointsofexperiencepodcast.com. You can write your questions in. Thank you so much to Raka today who sent in their question. They are a repeat question. Send her in, and we respect that, and we appreciate that. Appreciate your support. It could be you. It could be, could be Think your face it. on here for a small <laughs> price of thirty nine ninety nine. No, uh, but we are going to be providing uh, people with um, some exclusive content soon. So stick around for that. Still talking about some some of that stuff that we can uh, provide for people. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. And we'll be back next week with some more um, some cool stuff. Appreciate y'all. All right, buddies. <laughs>